This episode of the Nerd Cave Retro is brought to you by Audible.com. Get yourself a free audiobook download in a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash nerdcave. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. You're listening to the Nerd Cave Network. And welcome back to the Nerd Cave Retro Show. My name is Jason Robbins. And I'm Derek Diamond. And let's hope I don't stay tongue-tied tonight, because apparently I have lost my ability to speak over the last few weeks. I've been messing up Audible ad reads for many, many shows lately. <laughs> and I don't know what my problem is! Oh, uh, it's all good. People people get the gist of the Audible read by now, yeah, hopefully. Yeah, so... Just go get yourself an audible audio. See, I can't even say it. (laughs) Get yourself an audio book. Go get yourself one of those books on tape. But um, but yeah, it's been a good week. I actually got uh, some my early birthday present. I got a copy of Faxanadu, which I've been saying Mm -hmm. I was going to get because I told our our friends from Sweden that I would be reviewing it in the next couple of weeks. And I also got um, a USB... Uh, Super Nintendo controller for my computer, which is awesome. I've been wanting to get one. That is fantastic. So other than that, how was your week? Uh, Not bad. Um, Now I'm kind of in the middle of a a nice three-day weekend. Um, The the baseball team's been on the road for, I guess, now close to seven days, which has been nice because I've had an actual normal work week. Um, I was in a, a close friend of mine uh, whose name is Willis, and random trivia fact for longtime listeners of any of the Nerd Cave shows, he was actually one of the original co-hosts of the Nerd Cave podcast before oh, Robbie wow. came on. Uh, so yeah, he got married on Saturday. Both Robbie and myself were in his wedding. Uh, it was it was a lot of fun, and then just enjoyed a uh, nice Mother's Day, had lunch with my parents, and uh, just... Try not really to do much of anything. <laughs> Speaking of Robbie, I had a really weird, vivid dream about you and Robbie the other night, and it was so strange, and I've been saving it for this show. I didn't even let you know oh, geez. <laughs> that this was I was going to be talking about I'm this. slightly afraid now. So have you ever had, like, I, I never dream. Like, I know I dream, but I just, I don't remember them all that often. Uh, I might have like one dream a year that's like super vivid that I like remember for the rest of my life. Um, And I had this dream that was really vivid and I was on my way to see you for some reason. And I didn't know what it was yet in the context of the dream. We were supposed to meet up for like dinner or something like that. And I was on Mm -hmm. the phone with you and I I said, yeah, I'll, I'll be there in just a little bit. And now this is where the dream picks up. Like, like, you know how dreams just kind of start, you know, like you're just dropped in this world and you know what's going on, but you don't know what's going on. Um, so I'm driving and I'm like, yeah, I'll be there in just a bit. And then I look around and I'm like, wait a minute, this is the Huey P long bridge. And I'm driving West. (laughs) I'm like heading (laughs) towards new Orleans. I'm like, I'm in, I'm going the complete opposite direction that I'm supposed to be going. Uh, I'm going to be a little late getting there. And you were like, 
oh, okay, that's cool. Just whenever you get here. And then the dream skipped to the next part. And you were telling mm-hmm. me and Robbie that you were getting married and we were going to be co-best men in your wedding. <laughs> and we're like, okay, that's cool. You know, whatever you want to do. And, and I, I, this is one of those weird dream things where like in the corner of the room where you told us this, there was this work sink with like a hose coming out of the, 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 the faucet. But the hose was like, laid along the, 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 the wall and water was coming out of it and it was completely soaking the carpet and the wall. And I was like looking at him like, Hey Derek, is this supposed to be doing this? And you freaked out and you were like, you flooded my, my room. I'm like, it wasn't me. I was like, it was like this when I found it. And then the dream skipped again and it was the next morning and we were at this office building and mm-hmm. I'm I'm in this room, and Robbie's to one side of me, and you're on the other side of me, and we're looking at this big brown like case, like like old antique looking, like uh, just you know case with these two big doors in the front of it, and I'm looking at it, and I open up the case, and there's this like little clear box of diamonds, like right in the middle of it, and you said to me. Um, so do you think you can, uh, you think you can cut off the alarm? And I'm like, in the dream, I'm like, uh, I, yeah. <laughs> and you were like, well, that's what you're here for. So go ahead and do it. I'll keep an, I'll keep a lookout. And I'm like, okay. So I start messing with this thing and I don't know what I'm doing. And I just, I took like a pocket knife and just cut all the wires. And Robbie goes, run <laughs> and so we run out of the room and this huge explosion happens and like you know the the whole case explodes and like we run out of this door and shut the door and we're like you know hunkered down in the hallway and like the door blows out like this huge explosion and you came running back in you're like holy crap what happened and i was like uh i think i tripped the alarm <laughs> you're like okay and we looked at it and we were like, okay, we'll just grab the diamonds and run. And I grabbed the diamonds and we run down this hallway and we go into the elevators and the elevators won't work because the alarm is on. And I said right. something like, well, I guess these must have some kind of tracker in them so that, you know, when you move them out of the room, the, you know, the place shuts down and the, the elevators don't work. And you were like, or it could be the giant explosion you just caused in the other room. That could be it. <laughs> so that's where the dream ended. And I woke up in the morning and I was like, what the hell was that about? We were like, uh, we were like a crappy Ocean's Eleven <laughs> in the dream. That sounds like an amazing parody. It was awesome. Like I couldn't write a script that good. Yeah. I'm just picturing me, you, and Robbie trying to pull off a heist. <laughs> I know it was like the and worst. And it would probably go ever. exactly like that. <laughs> it was like the dumbest, stupidest heist we could ever do. Like, what would what made us think we could actually pull that off? I have no idea. Uh, my brain is stupid when I'm sleeping. I guess it's crazy how you can have dreams that are like that detailed and then others where you just do not remember them at all. Cause I'm the exact same way. Like I will very rarely remember a dream. Yeah. If it's something really good, I'll write it down as soon as I wake up because 
it'll be gone within, you know, a couple of minutes. Well, that that dream was so visit was so vivid. I don't need to write it down. I'll remember that for the rest yeah. of my life. It, it was so crazy. Like, I've never had a dream that wild. Like, it just kept jumping from, you know, scene to scene. Then they didn't really have anything to do with one another, but it was sort of sequential, I guess, until eventually we botched a diamond heist. Mm. So that was great. <laughs> I can't wait to tell Robbie that. He'll get a kick out oh, of it. I'm sure he will. But let's go <laughs> ahead and move into the news for this week. Ah, so Nintendo came out this week and shared some details about their uh, Switch Online service. Uh, and this was on bleedingcool.com. Uh, they shared some details, which is designed to be affordable, multi-featured paid service that lets users enjoy online play for compatible Nintendo Switch games and access classic NES games with added online functionality, backup save data for most games, and use additional features for the Nintendo Switch Online smartphone app. Uh, individual memberships retailing at $3.99 for one month, $7.99 for three months, and $19.99 for a full year. The family membership will only be offered for a year-long subscription and will retail for $34.99. Uh, so if you have two switches in the uh, in your possession, the family option is worth it. Um, it offers. Uh, we'll start out, and this is actually in the next one. I'll skip this part right now about the uh, the the Nintendo games that are going to be available. Uh, as for mm -hmm. multiplayer, the Nintendo Switch Online membership will be required to participate in co-op and competitive online features for many Nintendo Switch games like Splatoon 2, Mario Kart 8, ARMS, Mario Tennis Aces, and Sushi Striker, The Way of Sushido. And also, the, an online app will be a smartphone app designed to enhance the online experience for compatible games with voice chat and additional features as the Switch does not have a native VOIP support, which I thought was kind of kind of weird but kind of a good workaround at the same time they don't really have voice chat but you can do it over your smartphone yeah yeah i mean we've we've talked about this you know when they first teased it uh months ago it, the, and i had this debate with somebody at work would you prefer a traditional virtual console that nintendo has been doing like for the wii and the wii u or do, do you like this yearly subscription and basically you'll start out with these 20 games and more will be added on what they're saying is a regular basis but we'll see exactly what con the consistency is with that i'm kind of fine with it you know i think 20 dollars is a great price especially for for what they're offering right now starting off with you know the virtual console 20 games i don't know if they're gonna ha be able to have third party games i'm hoping so you know, like games like Ninja Gaiden and things like that. I don't see why they wouldn't be able to afford to put those games on the virtual console. Uh, and as mm -hmm. far as, you know, the online services, being able to play online and all that stuff, you know, 20 bucks a year is nothing. I mean, yeah. that's, that's crazy cheap. So I have no problems at all paying $20 a year for this service. Yeah, with me, it's not so much the money. It's more of how frequently are they going to release games and what yeah. games are they going to put out? That That's my big question. 
Well, I, I don't mind it because it's almost like a Netflix type thing where they're just going to keep adding stuff. Yeah. But I don't I just hope they don't do this thing like, oh, once a month we're going to add like five games. Yeah. I'd rather it be like a weekly thing where they keep, just keep adding stuff because they have so much stuff that they can do. They can spread this out for at least, you know, I'd say a year plus. Yeah, and I, honestly, I wouldn't mind paying a little more, like say thirty dollars a year or forty dollars a year, if you were to get some sort of discount mm-hmm. on new games, or, or you know, uh, sort of maybe like a, a library of older games or mm-hmm. indie games uh, at a cheaper price um, for paying a little more every year. I would actually support that in a way to you know, like get a you know, twenty percent off, you know, retail price or something like that for being a Nintendo Switch Online member. I think something like that would be good for Nintendo to do as well. It's sort of like it's kind of what you know PlayStation does. Yeah, no, that that's not a bad idea, and you know, I it's it's going to be interesting for sure because I've I've heard a little bit of backlash about not having a traditional virtual console, but. As long as they add stuff on a regular basis, I think people will be happy with it. Yeah, I think so, too. I, I don't think Nintendo can really screw it up that bad unless, you know, they come out with the online service and then they come out with the 20 games and then six months later, they're still at the same 20 games with no new games coming out. Then we'd be like, hey, Nintendo, uh, wake up. You got to do something here. Yeah. No, I, I totally agree. But uh, our next story, kind of talking about the same thing, uh, this comes to us from Polygon.com. Nintendo Switch Online Service will launch with 20 NES games, and they've released 10 of the 20 titles. They are Soccer, Tennis, Donkey Kong, Mario Brothers, which is the old arcade game, I believe, Mm -hmm. uh, Super Mario Brothers, Balloon Fight, Ice Climber, Dr. Mario, The Legend of Zelda, and Super Mario Brothers 3. Nintendo promises 20 NES games will be available when Nintendo Switch Online goes live in September, meaning 10 classic NES games are still to be announced. New games for the service will be added regularly, Nintendo says. So, I think most of these titles are to be expected. Like, everybody knew Mario, Zelda, um, Mario Brothers 3. I'm surprised Dr. uh, Mario's... I'm surprised Mario Brothers 2 isn't on this list, unless it's part of the next 10. Yeah, I'm thinking that's what it is, because why would you release one and three, but not two? Yeah. I, um, I'm I'm okay with this. I mean, you know, I'll definitely go through and, you know, play through these games again, because, you know, cool it, it's thing. been it's been quite a while since I played like Mario Brothers three, um, yeah. even the original one. And Donkey Kong is a classic, too. Well, the cool thing is, is we'll actually be able to play together o- online. Mm hmm. Uh, to you'll be able to play two-player online uh, classic games, which is awesome, uh, and that's yes. I guess that's where the uh, the voice chat's going to come in into play with the smartphone, um, which is kind of it's kind of clunky if you ask me. Um, they should have really thought about voice chat beforehand and been able to do that within the the switch itself. Which I know mm-hmm. it probably would have taken up a lot of memory to do that, or you know, a little piece of extra hardware or something. I'm not, you know, I'm no engineer. I don't know, but 
seems like that would have been something they would have thought about beforehand, or this might be something that's actually just sort of a quick fix for the time being. And maybe in a year when they do sort of, um, you know, kind of a mid, uh, you know, what do they call it when you're in the middle? Because it, it'll be, you know, next year it'll be have been out for three years. Um, mm-hmm. So, it, like, that's kind of maybe they do some sort of uh, new version with, where you can actually do voice chat on the Switch. Yeah. Uh, and I think that would be a good idea. But I, I'm curious as to when they're going to announce the next 10 and what they are. I mean, I'm thinking... Mario Brothers 2 has got to be on there. Maybe Metroid. Yeah. Um, Zelda 2, even though, I mean, I know we both don't yeah. really care for that game, but I think you still need to put it on there. And I'm thinking... Th- those, I think, are three that are for sure. Yeah, and like I said, most of these are Nintendo properties, so I don't know what they're going to do as far as third-party titles. You know, like Ninja Gaiden, Double Dragon... Uh, you know, all those games of, of that nature, what they're going to do as far as that goes. I mean, uh, I've, I've never uh, used the virtual console before as far as the Wii or anything, so I don't know what was offered at the time. Uh, I never really got into the Wii all that much. You're, you're a little more in that world than I was, so I, I don't know what they had to offer as far as like the third party titles, you know, like Castlevania and things like that. Yeah. I don't, I'm trying to think, I don't remember ever seeing them, but I didn't really look for them either. I mean, with the, with the virtual console, I mostly got like the Nintendo properties, like your Mario, your Zelda, you know, I didn't discover Castlevania until the NES classic came out and we started doing the show. So they could very well be on there. I'll actually actually yeah. pull the list up real quick. Because a lot of these are very early Nintendo black box titles like Soccer and Tennis and Mario Brothers, uh, Balloon Fight, Ice Climber. Those are very early Nintendo releases. So I wonder if they're doing it by, you know, sort of uh, era of the Nintendo. Uh, there were third-party games on the on the week because I'm seeing Gradius, um, Castlevania was on there. Okay, yeah. Um, Ninja Gaiden, Pac-Man. So oh. yeah, third-party games were on the Virtual Console. I'm sure if they did that, I, those, I really thought they were. Yeah, then those titles should be available on the Switch. Very, you know, within the, the next year or two, if they're gonna, I'm just like you said, I'm wondering how often they're gonna release these games. If it's gonna be weekly, monthly. Uh, bi-weekly, bi-monthly, or, or what they're going to do. Yeah. I wish Nintendo that, that would just tell us. That, to me, is us. the big thing. <laughs> Nintendo's not famous uh, for telling us things. They're just like, here's what we're going to do, and give you, like, one sentence of, of what's coming, and then yeah. keep you guessing for weeks and months of what they're planning. They're good at that, that's for sure. And coming up for our last story, uh, this comes to us from Polygon, the Power Glove documentary is a feel-good movie about a flop. It still has its fans, uh, and they get their due, too. There was a, do- a new documentary about the Power Glove uh, that has an emotional climax, but in a way, um, 
let's see, hold on, I'm, I read that completely wrong. <laughs> it says, about midway through the look at the strange and decidedly late 1980s video game peripheral, there's a montage of all the ways it remains in use today, and things like electronic music composition, hacks and mods, and interactive art pieces. Uh, this sequence in The Power of Glove, directed by Andrew Austin and Adam Ward, underlines the documentary's perfect tone. It doesn't trivialize the device or cast side eyes at those who made it, enjoyed it, or still do. Uh, they said they'd somewhat expected that approach, not knowing Austin and Ward's work at all. When the movie was announced in 2013 Kickstarter that raised $18,000, um, wow. they portrayed... Uh, they don't portray the glove as somehow misunderstood ahead of its time or even more than nominally functional. The power glove was simply not properly supported and it was put into production without much of a plan as those behind it attest. Um, and I'd seen some stuff about the power glove before and I don't remember what I saw it on uh, about how it was actually uh, actually might have been a, a gaming historian episode how the power glove came into being it was never meant to be uh like a gaming device and it just sort of weirdly got adopted uh as that so i would highly recommend going to watch the uh yeah that's I think that's what it was go check out the gaming historian on youtube and watch his power glove documentary it's really weird how this thing came into being uh and it had a lot of cool um uses that it could have had or had the potential for, but it was just sort of like, uh, just very, very mishandled at the time. And that's what I've read. You know, for what little I have read about the power glove is that it was kind of cool, but it was never really used for anything. Yeah. Uh, let's but see. you know, it, it, it did have a memorable scene in a, a certain movie that we praised since well, says, episode one of the show. It says right here, it says, Sure, the groan-inducing line from the Fred Savage vehicle, The Wizard, makes its requisite appearance, but the film does so the way it does everything else by projecting a spirit of affirmation for video games and those who love him. I love the power glove. It's so good. Uh, it just screened at the Longleaf Film Festival in North Carolina on May 12th which was yesterday when we're recording this, and then it plays again if you're in the Ohio area. It plays at the Glass City Film Festival at Toledo on May 19th. So if you're in the Ohio area, go check that out. This looks like it's going to be very uh, uh, tearjerker, heart-wrenching sort of documentary type thing. So I'm very interested to watching this when it becomes available. Uh, hopefully I am on too. Amazon. Soon, I am too. I, I definitely want to watch it. But yeah, I actually was looking at a power glove yesterday in uh, the Play and Talk near my house, near where I live, the the retro gaming shop here. They had one mm -hmm. in the box and one that was just kind of up on the shelf. And I was so tempted to get one just to have it. You know, <laughs> like I would yeah. never use it for anything because I know it sucks, but it just looks cool. Like that, I think that was the whole thing about it back then. We wanted it as a kid because it just looked so cool, but then you got to actually play with it, and it was just completely broken. Yeah, which is a shame because it, it it looks cool. I mean, I've never wore a power glove, but just the concept of it's pretty cool. So it, it's it's a shame that it was never really used for what it could have been. Yeah, I actually had a friend of mine when I was a kid that had one. 
but uh, I think he got it for Christmas and he may have used it for about five minutes before taking it all, uh, all the sensors off the TV and then just throwing it in his closet and never touching it again because he hated it. Yeah, that's a shame. So, yeah, that's uh, that's going to close us out this week for news. Now, let's go ahead and move into this month in video game history. Uh, let me pull up my doc here. Uh, in May of 1982, Atari releases Yar's Revenge. It was Atari's best-selling original title for the 2600, and it also was one of the very first games to uh, have a an Easter egg. Um, after killing the swirl in mid-flight, a black vertical line will appear on the screen across the spot where the swirl was shot. The line is referred to in the manual as the Ghost of Yars and warns the player to stay off its mean streak. If the Yar is in the lower third of the screen and the black spot on its back across the vertical line at the moment the explosion vanishes, the game will end and go into the game select screen with the programmer's initials HSW shown both forwards and backwards as HSWWSH in place of the player's score. This forwards-backwards lettering is a clue to players to look at the names in the game manual the same way. That's pretty um, convoluted as an Easter mm-hmm. egg. Yeah. I- I'm just curious, like, what happened to Yars that he needs to take revenge? I don't know. <laughs> then the... I always like the cover art to this game because it was like a big chrome covered fly. So that's what it I looks always... like a sci-fi movie from like the 60s or 70s. Yeah, like I don't think they really thought too much about what went into the game. Uh, apparently you're controlling an insect like creature called a Yar who must nibble or shoot through a barrier in order to fire his Zorlon cannon into the breach. The objective is to destroy the evil Kotile. Uh, Q-O-T-I-L-E, whatever that says, which exists on the other side of the barrier. The Kotile can attack the Yar even if the barrier is undamaged by turning into the swirl. Uh, I'm not reading this anymore. (laughs) Uh, It was a good Uh, game at the time. I enjoyed playing it as a kid. It was actually one of the better Atari games you could actually get because it actually was fun to play and it made a lot of cool, weird noises. Um, but mm. other than that, you know, the, this, in my opinion, there's only like maybe 10 Atari 2600 games that are any good, you know, like, um, uh, let's see, Missile Command's good, um, Tank, or what is it called, what's it called, Tanks is really good, uh, Warlords, and Yars Revenge, uh, and this was one of the better games for the Atari 2600. Sounds like the next great um, movie to be seen on the Sci-Fi Channel. Yeah. Yards <laughs> <laughs> um, Also in May of 1983, Atari releases Star Wars, a color vector graphics game simulating the attacks on the Death Star. This game was developed during the golden age of arcade games and has appeared in lists of the greatest video games of all time. Never played it, but I definitely know what this game is. I've seen many a screen cap from it. Um, yeah, it, it looks like the arcade version. It looks like something straight out of Tron, which yeah. I mean, it was 
made around that time, so that makes sense. But speaking of Tron, I remember going to the uh, the local skating rink when I was a kid, and they had a Tron machine and they had the Star Wars vector game, which was awesome. And uh, I used to play them a lot as a kid when I went to the skating rink. I really wish that I could find an old Star Wars vector game just to have. Like that was one of the best, like one of the coolest video games of all time. Yeah, I've definitely heard a lot about it. Unfortunately, you know, I've never had the opportunity to play it, but maybe one day. Yeah, you might run across one at some random pizzeria or something one of these days. <laughs> Next to the Miss Pac-Man. Yeah, uh, in May of 1987, I, I'm going to start that Twitter account, the uh, Miss Pac-Man across the America, where I go to different cities to different pizzerias and prove that there is a Miss Pac-Man machine in every single pizzeria in America. I'm going to do that one of these days. Um, <laughs> in May of 1987, Konami releases Castlevania. For the Nintendo Entertainment System, a platform game in which the player takes the role of Simon Belmont, a descendant of the Belmont clan, a family of vampire hunters. One of the top five best games for the Nintendo and probably and definitely in the top, you know, 25 or you know, 25 greatest video games of all time. Castlevania is right in there and it, and it ranks pretty high, too, in that list. Yeah, I mean, who doesn't know what Castlevania is? You know, I, I I had heard of it, you know, growing up, but I never played any of the games. And, you know, the, the few that I have, I've really enjoyed. And it's got a pretty darn good little mini series on Netflix. Yeah. I was just going to say everyone that. should check out. I can't wait for season two. Needs I know. To- I think I think there's supposed to be was it six episodes or eight for the new season, which is awesome. Six, because the original was four, and I think they said second mm-hmm. season was going to be six. So that's going to be great. If you haven't watched that yet, anybody listen to this. If you haven't seen Castlevania yet on uh, Netflix, you are missing out because it is yep. fan freaking tastic. It's really, really good. Uh, in May of 1987, SNK releases Akari Warriors for the NES, a vertically scrolling run-and-gun shoot-em-up arcade game. It was the first popular video game to use rotary joysticks, those which could be rotated in addition to being pushed in eight directions. Uh, side note, TNK3 released in 1985, also from SNK, was the first to use such joysticks. I don't remember TNK. Let me look this up real quick. Uh TNK never I'm vaguely familiar with Akari Warriors definitely never played it I have it for the Nintendo um I know it was really good as an arcade game but it really didn't port that well to the NES Uh, as much as I love like I have a lot of nostalgia for that game because I used to rent it a lot as a kid because it's just one of those mindless like endlessly scrolling shooters you know, uh, and like Commando and things like that. Uh, but playing it as an adult now, it really does not hold up. Like the the controls are awful. The, the graphics aren't that great. Even though I think a lot of the SNK games are really good for the Nintendo. Mm. I think POW is one of the best, uh, you know, side-scrolling beat-em-ups that you can get for the Nintendo. 
Akari Warriors just does not hold up all that well. And I actually was thinking about doing a review for it, but I just don't want to beat it up too bad. <laughs> you know, like I have a, a soft spot in my heart for that game, but it's just, it's not good at all. Yeah. No, understandable. And to, uh, to close this out for this month of video game history, on May 5th of 1992, id Software releases Wolfenstein 3D, or Wolfenstein, however you prefer to pronounce it, for MS-DOS, which popularizes the first-person shooter genre for the PC and leads to many similar games. Wolfenstein 3D, one of the games that I remember... Uh, trying to get my work done in my computer programming class in high school, getting my work done as fast as I could so I could be the first one to the big box of three-and-a-half-inch floppies to uh, be able to play Wolfenstein for the rest of the class. Um, it was either that or Duke Nukem. I rem- <coughs> Excuse me. I remember you talking about that Um between that and and Duke Nukem's, that that's pretty cool. I, I've I've heard of this game, but yeah, you know, I was never was never a big computer gamer growing up. So the, this one kind of passed me by. There was a Wolfenstein game that <clears throat> came out for the Xbox. Was it the original Xbox? Uh, let me look it up real quick. Wolfenstein Xbox. Fox. While you do that, I gotta step aside real quick. I'll be right back in okay. like ten seconds. Uh, so yeah, there was a wolf. I think it was Wolfenstein: Return to Castle Wolfenstein, uh, which came out on the original Xbox. Uh, if you people out there listening, if you've never played that game, I thought it was excellent. Um, really good uh, first-person shooter. Uh, it, it was up there with um, you know Halo and things like that to me. Uh, I thought it was really, um, really reminiscent of like um, the Call of Duty or uh, Medal of Honor type stuff, the World War II. But then like the further you got into the game, um, it started the weirder it started to get. Like um, I was telling everybody listening, uh, Return to Castle Wolfenstein for the original Xbox is what I was thinking of. Um, It starts off a a lot like, um, you know, Medal of Honor. Uh, the World War II type stuff, the Medal of Honor and things like that, uh, Call of Duty. But then, like, the further you get into the game, the weirder it gets. Like, you find out the Nazis are all into, like, occult type stuff. And they're they're building, like, these crazy, like, uh, you know, zombies and stuff like that. So, it just, like, the further you get into the game, like, the crazier it gets. Uh, and that was actually mm-hmm. one of my favorite games for the original Xbox. Uh, and I would love to, to be able to play it again. Like if I, if let me just look to see it, it, if it's on steam, if it's on steam, I might actually pick it up. Return to castle Wolfenstein steam. Uh, it is available on steam. Let me see how much it is. Uh, very positive reviews. Ah, of course they don't have it for Mac. Damn, 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 damn. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you can get it right now. Uh, the original game is now four ninety nine on Steam, and the Wolf Pack includes three three items: Return to Castle Wolfenstein, Spear of Destiny, and Wolfenstein three D for nine ninety nine. So if you have if you have Steam for PC. Oh, I recommend this so much. It was so good. 
If I had a, uh, I, I might actually buy a PC to replace my failed, uh, my die, my dead laptop, just so I can play mm-hmm. Return to Castle Wolfenstein on Steam. That game was so good. That's fantastic. And holy monkeys, we're running late on this show because we. <laughs> this has been a good show. I'm having a good time yeah. tonight. Uh, but let's go ahead and move into our mid roll here. And Derek, I'm going to let you tell everybody about some books this week. Well, before we do that, we have some breaking news Oh, that was posted on our Twitter page from our good friend, Mr. Wallace Phelps. Oh, what from you... the from the Nintendo <laughs> of America Twitter page, the NES Classic will return to stores on June 29th. Whoa, let's see this. This, this system and the SNES Classic Edition system are expected to be available through the end of the year. Uh, was this on Twitter or Facebook? Uh, he he tweeted at the Nerd Cave Retro page. Or no, he did it for our personal pages. Oh, Sorry. okay. Yeah, I don't have that pulled up right now. And I have two-factor authentication, so it'll take too long for me to actually go into my Twitter page. I, mean, I, I, saw, it, I saw it on Facebook, too. Let me... Let me see if I can get it to pull up on my phone. But that's fantastic. Let's see. Da, 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 da. Oh, it's just a link about the actual system. But yeah, NES Classic is coming back. Awesome. Well, just in time for the uh, the Nintendo Switch online service with uh, <laughs> the classic <laughs> games on it. Thanks, with all Nintendo. the ga- yeah, the games that are pretty much on the <laughs> NES Classic are good. Uh, good timing, Nintendo. You like to uh, kick yourself in the balls. <laughs> pretty much. Wow. But anyway, let's talk about books. For you, the listeners of the Nerd Cave Retro Podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. Now, I haven't really had much time to really read anything new, uh, but they've got a ton of great books. You know, they've got fiction, nonfiction, sci-fi, gaming, romance. Uh, for gaming, they have Mass Effect, Gears of War, Halo, um, you know, all World of Warcraft, all kinds of really cool books to choose from. And if you're on the go like I am all the time, it's great for the commute to and from work, or if you've got an hour drive, if you're going like on vacation or just going on a, you know, a nice day trip, you just plug your phone into your car, start a book, and you'd be surprised at how much uh, you can listen to in that amount of time. But to download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash nerdcave. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash nerdcave for your free audiobook download and 30-day free trial. And this week we're talking about... Gaiden 2, The Dark Sword of Chaos for the NES, uh, was known in Europe as Shadow Warriors 2, The Dark Sword of Chaos, because as we all know, the word ninja was not allowed in the uh, in, in the PAL region back in the 80s and 90s because the word ninja was considered too violent. 
but it is a side-scrolling platforming video game developed and published by Tecmo. Uh, it's the second installment in the Ninja Gaiden trilogy for the NES and was released in Japan on April 6, 1990, North America in May 1990, and in Europe on October 27, 1994. It was re- re- later released for the uh, Commodore Amiga and DOS-based PCs by GameTech in 91, and then released for the Virtual Console in North America on October 15, 2007 for the Wii, and August 22, 2013 for the Nintendo 3DS. Um, I've been playing this game pretty regularly over the last few weeks ever since I picked this up at the Play and Talk. And I had this game as a kid. Uh, I think I got it for Christmas uh, the year it came out, which I got Ninja Gaiden the year before. Um, and I think when this game first came out as a, when I was a kid, I really wasn't ready for the sequel. Um, I guess you'd say I, I really didn't give it much of a chance because uh, I was so in love with the first game. I felt like this game, you know, it, it kind of suffered from sequelitis. Like, it just didn't capture me when I was a kid. There was something about it that I didn't like. Um, but as now that I'm older and I'm playing, I can see that this game is, you know, it's playability it's a a vast improvement over the first game Uh, it's a lot more frustrating than the first game and and it's true that the ninja gaiden series does get harder as they go along Uh, and that's definitely evident in this game i i still haven't played ninja gaiden 3 i still want to get a copy of that but the the cheapest one i can find is like 75 bucks uh so that's going to be a special purchase for me one of these days um but it is uh, it's a sequel, a direct sequel to the first game. It takes place one year after the events in the first Ninja Gaiden game uh, about an evil emperor named Ashtar who, after hearing of Jacquio's defeat, devises a plan to take over the world and engulf it in darkness through an evil sword called the Dark Sword of Chaos. A U.S. Army agent named Robert T. Sturgeon recruits the game's protagonist, Ryu Hayabusa, and tells him that he is uh, the only person who can stop him. So that that basically is the beginning of the game. And of course, you know, a Ninja Gaiden game just kind of just drops you right into the action. I mean, the second the game starts, it's like, boom, you're off and running. Uh, and it has, in my opinion, the best cutscenes of any NES titles. Uh, this game was really the first game I ever played that really had like elaborate, you know, the, the Ninja Gaiden games was, they had really elaborate cutscenes and lots of story to them. And, you know, this this game has is, is really captured me over the last few weeks. And I did play it for a little while. I streamed it the, uh, the other night, um, calling it Friday Night Nintendo Time. So I think I'm going to start doing that on Friday nights. But I played it for a little while. I actually got really far into the game after, you know, only really playing it for the last couple of weeks. Um, I think there's five acts to the game and each act has like two or three levels um and see i don't think i can find i think there's five acts to the game i got to act four uh because i think the first ninja gaiden game had five acts to it and um it's it's just really good i mean yeah do you have any questions about it so far kind of going back to the cutscenes, when you think of 
classic NES games, you don't really think of the story like unfolding throughout the game. You know, when you have like Zelda, for example, you have the opening crawl that kind of explains what's going on. But then you're just kind of thrown into the game and you just do the various dungeons with Mario. There's virtually no story. You run through the different levels and you try to save the princess. But I was because I've never played any of the Ninja Gaiden games. Was the first game like that as well, as far as elaborate cutscenes, or did that was that improved on from the sequel? Um, well, yeah, I mean, it was. It, it, they're pretty much like exact, almost ex- set up exactly the same. Like, there's no sort of, you know, like they, they took the the same game engine and everything else that they did for the first game. And then they did that for the second game, but they, I mean, they improved some of the gameplay aspects, but as far as like the, the look of the game, the sound of the game, it's all very consistent. Like it is, you know, you could play one game to the next and and if they were to combine these onto like one cart, it, it would be seamless from start to finish. No, that that's cool. Cause like I said, you don't really think of NES games having a story that unfolds as you play it. So that that's really cool. Yeah, and it keeps you moving through the game because you want to find out what happens next. This I think that's what captured me so much as a kid with the original Ninja Gaiden. I'm here it is 30 years later and I'm still in love with that game and I still play it all the time even though I can't beat it because I've never been good enough to beat it. One of these days I will. But um, you know, this game actually does some things different than the first game. And I think that's what I didn't like about it as a kid because I was so used to the controls of the first game. And what I mean mm-hmm. by that is in this game, uh, you originally did have the ability to latch onto the wall. And as you move through the levels, the only time you could climb was if you were on a ladder. Uh, any other time you could latch onto a wall, but you would have to you know, do what they called a wall jump where you, you know, you would, you do these wall jumps back and forth between the walls to get to a certain spot. Or, you know, you, you could master the wall jump going up one wall where you just kind of really quickly go up the wall. But with this game, they took that out and they just basically let you climb walls this time around. And it takes, takes a lot of getting used to being so used to the first game. And then of course, in this game, they, uh, they, have the shadow ninjas that you can get throughout the game uh, as a power-up. And you get mm-hmm. these uh, two shadow ninjas that basically mirror your every move and make you just completely overpowered throughout the game, and it's great. That sounds fantastic. But, you know, you get all your uh, you same the same secondary items that you had in the first game. You know, you've got your shurikens... Uh, you know, the, the, you know, the windmill throwing stars and things, things like that. They have, uh, the invincible fire wheel that you can get around your guys. Um, and they have a couple of different shurikens that you can use one that just shoots kind of downward at an angle, because there's a lot of times in this game where you'll be up on a wall and there's just so many enemies and if you have two of your shadow ninjas with you and you let that thing loose and they're all kind of facing different directions, you can pretty much take out most of everything on the screen at once. Um, and then, of course, uh, let's see, what else did he get for this game? Uh, the scrolls. Um, 
You can collect items that are found in crystal balls scattered throughout the levels. These items include the following. Um, items that increases ninja power. Bottles that increase the player's score. Scrolls of the Spirit Dragon that increases maximum ninja power. Medicine that partially refills his strength meter. Power boosting items and one-ups. And that was another thing I noticed in this game. They were a little more liberal with the one-ups in this game as well. Uh, as opposed to the first game. The first game, they were stingy with one-ups in that game. Yeah, it, <clears throat> there's a comment here that I'm curious to get your thoughts on. Um, it, it's in the reception column on Wikipedia. Uh, one of the reviews says, Ninja Gaiden 2 is a challenging experience the likes of which gamers in the 8-bit era lived and died for. Exactly. Would you say that's accurate? Accurate to a T. Um, this is the, the reason I like the, the original Ninja Gaiden so much. And I still love it to this day is because it is, it is completely f the most fast paced game that you can play for the Nintendo. I mean, you got your side scrollers like Mega Man and things like that, but for the most part, those games are, you can kind of take your time and, you know, time your jumps and things like that. And, they have their parts of the games where it's kind of heart-pounding. But Ninja Gaiden is like heart-pounding the entire way. And each level gets, you know, ramps up in difficulty. And the music makes it even more uh, heart-pounding. Because, this, I mean, this is some of my favorite music for the Nintendo Entertainment System. And then this game is just as good. You know, Brian C., one of our listeners was talking about uh, some of the music that was in the game that I think is in Act 2, I believe, um, which mm -hmm. he's correct. Like it, I, I was going to play that on the show for the music for that, but I was like, eh, but I'm going to use the, you know, the, the music from the very first level of the game. But even that music is great. You know, like they, they went all out with when they did the music for these games because each level is different. Each level has, a, has its own soundtrack, and, that, and that's crazy for that time yeah and that, that's the cool thing like you know i've like i said before i've never played any of the ninja gaiden games but even the song you played at the beginning was really cool and really catchy and you kind of got into it and that's i feel like the music from that era is still a little overlooked oh yeah like, i love some good 8-bit music and the, and the thing about you know the the ninja gaiden games too you know we were talking about platformers and stuff like this game is a true platformer. Uh, you know, you've got it's got crazy jumps that you have to make and and you know each level even when you die you I mean this game is a lot of memorization and knowing when an enemy is going to fly into this cuz you got you still got your like eagles and stuff that'll just fly across the screen and like you have to time jumps and all that different kind of stuff and you know, in the first game, it was hard enough trying to do all these crazy jumps that you got to make. This game, they crank it up to where now you get to act two of this game and they throw in like elements. Like you're, yeah. you're having to jump from platform to platform, but they throw in wind and you have to watch the snow and no and and know which way the wind is going to blow so that you can make these long jumps like if you try to make just a normal jump while the wind is against you you're going to fall into the abyss 
And then at, you know, at, at moments notice that it can, it can change and be blowing from behind you and you can overshoot your, you know, your platform that you're aiming for. So you really got to like watch out and time things almost perfectly to make it through these levels. And it's frustrating. And you can watch my stream from the other night on YouTube, on my YouTube page, watch me get really frustrated <laughs> with the, you know, the element um, stuff that they added into the second game, the frustration that I was having, but just loving every second of it. Like the games is uh, the Ninja Gaiden games are just so freaking good. Like I, th I think they're up there as my favorite games on the NES. You know, in and definitely in my top ten, definitely. I'll have to check these out for sure. And the, that's a cool thing about adding in elements like wind and snow. Cause that I can't think of really any, any other game from that time where you have to factor that in. Yeah. I that's really pretty can't awesome. think of any other games either. I mean, I know there were, but I don't think any of them used it as perfectly as this game did. Um, you know, if you watch my stream from the other night, I, I know I seem like I hated the game at times, but that was the beauty of these games, like Nintendo games in general, is you get a game that's hard enough, to, but it's not so hard that you can't see yourself actually being able to conquer, you know, certain, you know, like, hardships in the game. Like, you get stuck on something, and you know you can get past it, so you just keep torturing yourself over and over until you finally get past that part that's, killing you and it's like the greatest feeling in the world you're just like oh my god i just can't believe i just got past that part <laughs> and it's that i think that's what really keeps us coming back to these games 30 years later is they're just you know they're just perf the gaming perfection absolutely what would you give this game on a scale of one to ten uh, on a scale of one to 10, you know, I haven't finished the game and I don't expect I'll be able to finish it anytime soon. But as far as the fun I had, the music, the gameplay, this is going to get probably, I I'm going to give it a nine out of 10. I like it. That's a good score. But yeah, I, they actually had another copy of it at the, the retro gaming store. So and it was only like eight bucks, so I think you can pick up a copy of you know the first two Ninja Gaiden games are actually pretty cheap. I think you can pick mm -hmm. up for less than ten bucks. Uh, Ninja Gaiden Three is a little bit more rare because it was a, a later release on the NES. Uh, I think ninety two. This came out in ninety uh, nineteen ninety. I think Ninja Gaiden Three came out in ninety one. Let me just make sure. Gaiden Three. Uh, no, I don't want the one for the Xbox. Three. The Ancient Ship of Doom. That's what I want. Uh, it was released in... Uh, June... I was uh, North America in August of 91. Um, and I don't know why this game was actually... Is, is so expensive. I guess they must not have made as many copies of it as the original ones but that would be my guess uh, you know this one usually runs for and just uh the cart itself runs for usually about 70 75 bucks um an inbox copy 
you know, a complete inbox copy is probably going to run you a couple of hundred, which is yeah. crazy. And yeah. oh, Bethany Fox uh, in the sh- uh, chat room. Hi, sorry, I did not get to say hi earlier because my laptop is broken and I haven't been keeping my eye on the the chat like i'm supposed to uh sorry about that everybody um but yeah that's that's pretty much what i think about um you know think that that that's my take on ninja gaiden 2 it doesn't get any better than the ninja gaiden games for the nintendo i love those games they're worth every penny they're worth the time that you put into them uh if you love the nintendo entertainment system they're some of the most fast-paced games you can get and I highly recommend going uh, on YouTube and watching uh, the world record speed run that was done. Uh, let me look up his name real quick. Um, I think he does it in like 11 minutes, the original. Oh, jeez. Um, Ninja Gaiden. Uh, Bethany Fox also says in the stream that, uh, said, hi, I finally made a live stream. Yeah, I saw that. So cool. Congrats <laughs> for that. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't see you come in. <laughs> uh, but on YouTube, um, is see, his name is Arcus, A-R-C-U-S. You can go sit, watch his speed run in 11 minutes and 39 seconds, which is crazy if you go watch wow. it. Uh, I highly recommend that. And if that doesn't get you to want to play a Ninja Gaiden game, I don't know what does. Um, as soon as I watched, I I watch his his that stream just to study what he does on each level of the original Ninja Gaiden game, and I found a lot of secrets in that game because of him. And he actually did a uh, uh, tutorial video as well on um, how to play Ninja Gaiden and do some of the techniques that he uses to actually defeat the game as quick as he does which is really cool uh, I, I yeah. suggest going to check those videos out but yep that's all I gotta say about it and uh, I love those games so go pick them up I like it so what do you well, uh, tell everybody what you got going on um, we do need to let everybody know that our schedule is going to be changing the next couple of probably two to three months because of your uh, because of Derek's baseball schedule yeah so sorry about that. Um, to let everybody know, um, next week's show will be on Tuesday the 22nd at 8 o'clock p.m. Central Time. And then the show after that will be the 29th, which is also on a Tuesday. At 7 p.m., we'll be doing two episodes mm-hmm. that night. And for next week, we've talked about Mega Man a lot on this show. And I always have to bring up the fact that I've never really played a Mega Man game. Well, a few days ago, I changed that. I have been playing Mega Man X for the Super Nintendo. It's available on the SNES Classic, and I will be reviewing it next week. Fantastic. And you know what I'm going to be doing uh, for our Swedish listeners? I'm going to be reviewing Fexanadu for my next show. Um, but yeah, yeah, sorry that, uh, our, our schedule has to get kind of screwy for a while, but we'll be here. Uh, and like, you know, like Derek said, next week, our show won't be coming out on Monday. It'll be coming out, uh, as soon as we record the episode on Tuesday night. Uh, if you want to watch us here on, uh, on Twitch, we'll, we'll record live and then we'll release the show as soon as the episode is done. 
So it'll be out Tuesday night for those of you who listen to the uh, the audio version of the show. Uh, and that's uh, that's about it. So just kind of keep an eye out on our Twitter, at NerdCaveRetro. We'll let you know what everything that's going on over the next two months. We'll let you know when we're going to be recording live and when episodes are going to be coming out. And thank you guys for uh, being patient and sticking with us. Absolutely. So anything else you want to talk about or pimp before we get out of here? Yeah, just, um, you know, as always, check out the Derek Diamond Experience. Uh, new episodes available every Thursday on iTunes, Spotify, all podcasting platforms. Uh, this past week, I released the audio version of the Star Wars night coverage I did um, at Blue Wahoo Stadium. This week, I'll be releasing uh, – this was a live show that I did a few months ago. But because the movie is having its premiere uh, near your neck of the woods in Ocean Springs, yep. I got to interview the director and some of the cast from the film Cornbread Cosa Nostra. The audio version of that will be out uh, this Thursday. Fantastic. So check it out on uh, all podcasting platforms. And always in, and on social media, you can follow me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at D Diamond Podcast. Uh, we just released a new episode of the Pop Culture Palette podcast with Mr. Jared Seymour of the Brownwater Banter podcast and producer of Cooking with Boyd the Metalloid on YouTube. So go listen to that episode, pcpradio.com uh, and at PCP Show on Twitter. Go check those out. That's fun. Uh, before we go, uh, Bethany Fox did say all good, but I just want to say that I'm like Derek and loved rare games more so Donkey Kong Country 1, 2, and 3 on Game Boy and Donkey Kong Country on SNES, but more so loved Banjo-Kazooie but never got to play Banjo-Tooie. And in recent years, I've become loyal to Bethesda because they're similar to uh, rare to me. Um, I, I can see that. I don't know too much. Who, what has Bethesda uh, done the last couple of years? I know that name. I just I can't put a game to it. Bethesda, I think, did the latest Mortal Kombat games. Uh, let me uh, let me double check Rage. and make sure that I've got all their. Oh, they did. Yeah, they did the Say again? Uh, Elder Scrolls and Fallout. Those type. Yeah, of yeah, games. yeah, yeah. Yeah, I knew I knew that game. Um, Elder Scrolls uh, Skyrim is awesome. Oh, absolutely! Oh, such a good game. Yeah, but definitely, if you can check out Banjo Tooie because it's. I said this last week, but it's just as, to me, just as good. Maybe a very slight downgrade from Banjo-Kazooie, but it just doesn't get the credit that it deserves because of the original. But definitely check out Banjo-Tooie. And the I completely forgot about the Donkey Kong games for Game Boy. Those were fun, too. Yeah, I actually was tempted to pick up some, the, the first Banjo-Kazooie game yesterday at the retro shop. I saw one for sale. And I was like, eh, should I get it now or should I wait? Because if I get it now, I'm not going to play what I'm supposed to play. So <laughs> I decided to wait and uh, pick it up in the next couple of weeks. Maybe after my birthday, I'll pick it up. I think you'd really like it. It's well, a good platformer. It, it looked cool. And, you know, I, I've seen some videos of it so far. And I'm like, this looks really awesome and fun. I want to play this. Yeah. <laughs> 
But yeah. Um, but let's go ahead and t get, uh, tell everybody good night. Thank you for joining us on the stream here at Twitch. And I'm going to play our outro music here so we can go ahead and walk out the door. We're at nerdcaveretro.com. You can email us at nerdcaveretro at gmail.com. We're on Instagram and Twitter at nerdcaveretro. We're at jfunktastic and at Derek underscore diamond individually on Twitter. And we're on Facebook at facebook.com slash nerdcaveretro. So Derek, please tell them what it's all about. May the way of the hero lead to the Triforce. You've been listening to a Nerd Cave Network production. <laughs>